Chapter 14. Cassie. I was in agony. I was lying on my side, with Marco and Rachel half hidden beneath me. The spear had penetrated deep into my side, and all I could do was try and remember my horse anatomy. What had the spear hit? Not my heart, or I'd be dead already. My stomach? Intestines? Liver? Who could tell? But I knew that I was weakening. And I knew that if I demorphed, I'd leave Marco and Rachel exposed and helpless. Not to mention the high likelihood that a superstitious 15th century soldier would almost certainly kill the weird, twisting abomination I would seem to be in mid-morph. We had to get away. But how? The battle raged around us. The noise was horrific to my horse ears. Steel clinging against steel. The clink-clink-clink as crossbows were wound tight. Hooves and feet pounded in the mud, and landing, all too often, on bodies. Men grunted with the effort of swinging their heavy swords and maces and axes. Men cried out or moaned as they were hurt. They staggered and fell, from wounds or from sheer exhaustion. And all of this was all around me, on top of me. This, I would later learn, was the Battle of Agincourt. One of the great battles of history. Glorious. That's what people called it. Glorious. Shakespeare wrote a play about it. But I'm here to tell you there was nothing glorious going on. It was as glorious as murder. We have to get out of here, Rachel said. How? Marco demanded. We move, we die. Cassie's bleeding, Rachel said. She's bleeding all over me. Cassie, can you stand? It was Jake's voice, coming from far overhead. I think so. Maybe. I don't know. This wasn't my body. I didn't know for sure what it could do. I didn't know how badly it was injured. Well, get ready. The cavalry's coming. He said. Then he added, We hope. What are you guys doing? Marco asked Jake. Well, this is the age of superstition, right? Witches and goblins and devils and all? Yeah? Rachel said. We're giving him a devil. Jake said. A devil? What do you mean, a devil? Then, above all the clashing, yelling, horrific sounds of battle, I heard a new note. Screams of sheer terror. Screams like you'd hear from someone trapped in a nightmare. Feet stampeded. The king himself stood over me, recognizable for the dented golden crown on his head. He was staring off to the right, gaping mouth open, battle temporarily forgotten. The knight he'd been fighting sagged to his knees and began crossing himself and praying. Battle lines fell back. The king thought about it for a few seconds and decided he didn't want to go one-on-one with what was coming, either. 
and the devil, or what must surely have looked like a devil to these men of the 15th century, rode onto the field atop a magnificent warhorse. Am I seeing a hork riding a horse? Marco asked. The hork Tobias, actually, came charging straight toward us. Brave warriors, warriors who'd gone face to face in this battle, life for life, suddenly bolted. The forest of legs around me parted. Rachel and Marco crawled out from beneath me. I rolled onto my side and struggled to my feet, woozy, weak, half dead, but not so dead I couldn't run a few hundred yards. Come on! Tobias yelled, turned his horse, and led the way back off the field. The horse said, Hey, watch the blades, Tobias! Marco and Rachel grabbed my torn and bleeding legs, and we made off across the horrible field, over the bodies of dead and wounded, knights and peasants. Visser 4? Rachel asked. Alex is keeping him busy, Jake said. But we have to hurry, or he'll get away from us. Chapter 15 Axe Visser 4 ran, but he was merely a human controller, so there was very little chance of him outrunning me. I was still in Harrier Morph. I swooped through the trees as he ran. Rising above the forest, I could see the edge of a small village in the trees ahead. If Visser 4 made it to the village, it would be harder for me to stop him. There would be innocent humans about. But as a Harrier, I could do very little to stop him. Decision. Stay with the Visser and be helpless. Or stop. Demorph and be able to attack. The village, a collection of primitive human dwellings, with roofs apparently made of grass, was very close. First, keep him from the village. I flapped my wings harder, and easily cut up with the running, panting, frightened yerk. I turned in mid-air and plunged toward him, talons down and forward. He looked up, dodged to the side. Not fast enough. I felt my left talon catch him on the side of his head. Ah! he cried. I swept past and turned to come back after him. Andalite filth! he screamed. Genuinely screamed. Pure, unfiltered hatred blazing in his blue human eyes. He hesitated. I came for him. He broke and ran. But now there were other humans surging around us. A column of men on horses was blundering through the woods, seemingly heading around toward the rear of the English lines. But there were other humans too. They were running from the battle, running toward the village. I could not demorph in plain view. The Yurk must have known this. Now he stopped and put an arrow into the simple bow he used. He drew the arrow back and let it fly. My hairier eyes were able to see that it was poorly aimed. It blew past, and I did not even need to adjust my flight. He ran again, and I followed. Suddenly we emerged from the edge of the wood. There was an open space between the forest and the village. There appeared to be some sort of crop planted there. Villagers were calmly harvesting, going about their busy work, 
as though nothing was happening. Possibly they were concerned that the battle or fugitives from it might trample the crop. These humans barely looked up from their work as soldiers, archers, and knights on horses went running past. Certainly they did not notice Visser 4, or me. I swept up to Visser 4 and raked his head again, laying the scalp open. He grabbed at me, but missed. I'll kill you, he raged. Surrender now, we have you surrounded, I bluffed. But a yerk does not rise to Visser rank by being a complete fool. He laughed at my silly threat. This was a pointless battle, I knew. In this morph, I could injure him, but not stop him. If I stopped to morph, I could well lose him. There were two large structures in the village. One seemed to me to be essentially military. A fort of some sort. The other had a large main building with a tall tower at one end. It was into this building that Visser 4 ran, through a tall door. The door had been open. He slammed it behind him. I flared my wings and pulled up, inches from smashing into the heavy timbered door. Prince Jake! I called in frustration. Tobias! Murko! Rachel! Cassie! Anyone who can hear me, please answer! But there was no answer. We were far from the battlefield now. I was on my own. How to enter the large structure? How to... And then, in a flash, I knew why Visser 4 had returned here. The Time Matrix! He'd hidden the Time Matrix in this structure. I had minutes, maybe not even that. I landed on the stairs leading to the front door. I began to demorph. My Andalite stock eyes began to writhe up and out of my feathered head. My fleshless bird legs grew meat and muscle and true bone. I rose, growing taller by the second. But all too slowly. Hands! I needed hands! Tiny, limp protrusions began to grow from my chest. My forelegs. But my wings remained wings. No fingers appeared. Prince Jake! I yelled again. Visser 4 was going to escape. Prince Jake! Rachel! Cassie! Now, at last, fingers. But too weak, too delicate and unformed to turn the heavy iron handle on the door. Aye! Someone screamed. A human, perhaps upset at the sight of an Andalite struggling to emerge from... Tuella! Tuella! A new voice screamed. Now it was a course. I twisted one sock eye, only now beginning to work. There were a half a dozen humans. Some were soldiers. Others were not. The ones who were soldiers brandished swords. The others held huge forks made of sharpened wood. I was quite sure they were not welcoming me to their town. Prince Jake! I cried. I lurched on half-formed legs to reach the door. My weak fingers closed on the handle. The angry villagers attacked. Chapter 16 Tobias Prince Jake! 
Jake was already running. We'd both heard a faint cry from Axe. This one was louder, clearer. We must be running in the right direction. Cassie, Rachel, Marco, get clear, then demorph, get wings, and follow, Jake said. Come on, Tobias, we're the cavalry again. I leaned down over Jake's flying mane, which allowed room for my spiked tail. The horse morph was huge. He'd acquired one of the chargers of a dead French knight. It easily carried my Horkbashir weight. Probably not much different from a man in full armor. We raced through the trees. Behind us, the battle resumed. I guess in 1415, having the devil show up was a fairly normal occurrence. Nothing to stop a battle over. Not for long, anyway. We burst suddenly into the open. Ahead of us, a village. Peasants scattered as we plowed along the dirt street, knocking wheelbarrows over, sending unwary pedestrians sprawling. It wasn't much of a village, I guess. A kind of not-impressive fort and a church. The church was on a square. The square was full of runaway soldiers, the wounded, the scared, and a bunch of regular villagers. All were converging on the church steps. Half a dozen had hold of an animal that might have been a blue deer with a scorpion tail, but for the fact that it was half-covered in gray feathers. Oaks? Jake asked. Yep, I said. We're going in. Jake redoubled his speed and went plowing straight into the crowd. I rode till he was stopped by the compacted bodies around us. Then I stood up on his back and leapt. hork are naturally arboreal, meaning they live a lot of their lives in the trees, so they can jump pretty well. I jumped. I sailed over the heads of outraged villagers and slammed into a wooden door so thick and sturdy it might as well have been a tree. Wham! I landed on Axe. Oh! He yelled. Sorry! Visser 4 is inside! Axe said, sticking to business despite the fact that the nearest villager was trying to stick him with a wooden pitchfork. I clambered away from Axe and snatched the pitchfork out of the guy's hands. If they didn't already believe I was a devil, they sure did now. Come on! I yelled. I grabbed the door handle, twisted it easily, and shoved back on the door. Axe and I together spilled inside. I slammed the door shut behind us, snatched up a two-by-four, and popped it into the iron slots, barring the door. We were in a church. I was a seven-foot-tall creature with horns and a spiked tail holding a pitchfork. And I was in a church. I looked at the altar. I looked at the terrified priest who was shaking so badly he couldn't cross himself. Sorry, I said to the priest. It's not what it looks like. Sorry, I added, looking at the altar. Boy, this is the wrong morph in the wrong place. Axe was fully antelite now, which didn't help our appearance one bit. Visser 4, Axe said. I don't see him. Me neither. The time matrix. He has almost certainly hidden it here. If he reaches it, he will escape. Then... A distant ringing. The bell tower! Jake cried from outside. He's in the bell tower! I shot a look around. Stairs. There had to be... Over there! 
We ran. Ran for the stairs and bounded up them, two, three at a time. The stairs twisted in a tight circle. My big Hork-Bashir feet were twenty sizes too big. I slipped and skinned my knees on sharp stone. Axe leapt over me and raced ahead. Above us, a wooden platform blocked our way. There was a trap door. Thwap! Axe's tail snapped and cut a slice out of the trap door. I shoved up beside him. Allow me, I said. I drew back my Horkbyshire fist and rammed it straight upward. The trap door slammed back on its hinges. I pushed myself up and through. Not possible for Axe. And there, before me, was the deadliest thing ever created. It was a shimmering, featureless globe, almost as tall as I was. And Visser Four had his hands pressed against it, a look of concentration on his face. He smiled at me. So, the Andalites pursue me still, he sneered. I was careless. I did not expect to be pursued. But I'll be careful now. Yes, and you know what? It's better this way. I have the power now. I have the power! I lunged. The globe shimmered. Visor 4 grinned. My blades flashed on emptiness. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to the episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. Um, thank you all for listening. Uh, sorry if I sound a little weird. Um, I've been feeling a little under the weather. Uh, I've been feeling a little under the weather today, but I'm trying my best not to actually get sick because I'm also traveling next week. Uh, which also, P.S. Show notes. Uh, no episode next week because next week is Thanksgiving, right? I'm traveling next week for Thanksgiving at least, um, and I don't like to stress myself out on on those that one week that I like to travel. So. Uh, no episode. Uh, I'll see you all after Thanksgiving. Um, no messages this week, but if you'd like to send in a message, you can do that through a variety of ways. You can do that through the Gmail, that's audiomorphscast at gmail.com. You can do it on Tumblr, that's audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. You can do it through my website, that's theapodcalypse.com. The Apocalypse, like Apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. Uh, you can also tweet at me, at audiomorphs, and that's where you should look if I'm ever late uploading an episode and I haven't warned you ahead of time like I am doing right now. Um, I'll try to have an explanation for what's going on over there. Um, other than that, I, I don't think I have any other real news here. I'm glad that the Animorphs are finally going to leave France, um, is what I'll say. <laughs> um, but we'll, we'll see what other exotic locales they visit throughout the course of this time travel adventure. Uh, in the meantime, um, unless you've got a time matrix... I'll see you all next week. Not next week. Mm, the week after. <laughs> My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. <laughs> <laughs>